morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, who turned up on his motorbike this morning. <laughs> I got to ride it around the paddock. <laughs> It was awesome. And uh, like Lyle walks in and he's like, Shell, can we get a motorbike? (laughs) I need to get my motorbike license. (laughs) It's been way too long since I've been on the back of a motorbike. Oh, dude. Well, what should be the... Well, let's let's get into Gratefuls. What should be the last chapter in the saga of motorbikes and me talking about them on Faith FM? I got my license yesterday, passed the test, easy peasy. It was like an L's... I've done like three L's tests now, so it's like my third L's test. And, and now Lawson's going to be the number one COVID spreader because he can't get off the back of his motorbike. <laughs> Dude, nah, I'm not going to be the COVID spreader. I'm just going to be cutting off cars. That's that's, <laughs> that's, that's just my thing now. Uh, so Lawson was officially issued his temporary Australia uh, visa yesterday. What? Also known as a motorbike license. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you all need to be praying for him now. Yeah, amen, amen. please pray for me. What are you grateful for, Lyle? I'm grateful for that, that I got to go for a uh, spin around the paddock in the. Uh, I'm grateful that our office has a paddock that we can. That's right. I'm like paddock. You mean motorbike track? Yes, <laughs> yes. What offices have that? I mean, who else can step outside their office and do that? Um. I don't think many people. I'm, I'm sure there's an office somewhere that's like has something better than here. Like you can't be the best in the world at everything. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know. well, you know, <laughs> we have a kookaburra who comes. And, Where's our kookaburra this morning? He's missing. He normally comes and sits on the on the on the stump the of the stump. tree right outside our office, and he's absolutely amazing. And he's not here this morning, maybe because of the very very stormy weather that we are having right now. Oh. Yeah, it's actually it's good, looking rather. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Okay, positively different news coming out of China again. What's going on with that place? But hey, check it out. China has pledged to stop building new coal energy plants around the world. Cool. So we know that uh, China, and this is something that well, you had a bit of you personally witnessed the um the belt and road initiative where they basically go to all kinds of countries and just build stuff yes because like oh we'll, we'll build stuff whether it's Vanuatu or where you were in ethiopia yes. or they're yes. like oh well we'll go to indonesia and build a coal Papua mine Papua and, yeah like lots oh, of places that i've been to china is just there investing enormous amounts of money that's right and so the belt and road initiative is going to continue because it's they can go to countries and pillage natural resources. But they've made the ultimate stance here, the ultimate decision that none of those um, things, infrastructure that they'll be building or slash resources resources that they'll be pillaging uh, will be, you know, building coal plants or, you know, taking coal. So that's that's kind of like bizarre. Who would have ever thought that China would do that? I mean, this is the most polluting, worst polluting nation on the planet that has completely ignored anything to do with, you know, climate change or pollution or any such thing. And suddenly 
what are they, what's going on there? These guys, guys starting to grow a conscience or something? Well, that's right. Like they are the world's largest greenhouse gas emitter, heavily reliant on coal. Uh, to the point, to the point where there is nothing that Australia can do that would have any impact on the climate, while ever China is producing the amount, because we are just too small of a nation. So, but they've also not that I'm saying that Australia shouldn't do stuff. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, they've decided to hit carbon neutrality by 2060. So wow. this is they're like, which is which is a far way off. It's well past the targets of the rest of the world. You know, the the furthest. Yeah, but they've got the the most to do. Exactly. Yeah. They're the furthest behind. It's so, in fact, they're expecting that they'll hit their peak emissions in 2030. Oh. So, like, oh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, well, that's... You know, cool. because of all the infrastructure we want to build. And then after that, by 2060, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up, which I'm, I'm a bit like, oh, this is, you know, promises that are 40 years in the future ring a bit hollow at the moment, especially when you say, oh, it's going to get worse from here. But at least they've made this decision. It's like, well, I guess good on them, like, for the, for the rest of the world's sake. You know, I think of places like, well, the Great Barrier Reef here in Australia and all different things that are affected by China. <laughs> well, at least they're saying words that are good words. Yeah, they said good words. Let's see let's, what happens. Let's see what happens. They definitely said good words. It's interesting, though, like, and, and as the article I uh, was reading points out, it's like, oh, yeah, this is from increasing pressure from Europe and America. And I'm like, man, how long is it going to be until China just doesn't care? Like, how much pressure can those countries put on them? Obviously, they import a lot of different things. Um, I can't imagine that they care already, honestly. I, I just can't imagine that they care. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm like. I'm like... They're big enough and powerful enough... To, Why to, would they care? To not care. That's right. So interesting, interesting stuff. But in other energy news, okay, La, I've been following the whole nuclear fusion thing for a while. Been throwing out some different ideas. Um, whether it was like these crazy, like Massachusetts-based companies that that are like literally using superconducting magnets to achieve nuclear fusion, or the program that was called um, the like the uh, internal. Uh, governmental fusion program called IDA, which <clears throat> uses like magnets as heavy as passenger aircrafts and has like the world's largest cryogenic freezer to be able to produce nuclear fusion because you have to heat up a boiler to 100 million degrees Celsius. Like it's just wild stuff. Uh, but a, a new company has come onto the scene that has just received $400 million in backing. It's a Canadian nuclear fusion company and they are building the first demonstration plant of nuclear fusion. It's going to be 70% the size of what they want to commercialize in the future. But this is like the first demonstration plant, like the the first one. And it's interesting because they're like, no, we're doing nuclear fusion on the cheap, on the cost effective. We're going to use pneumatic pistons to be able to heat things up. But whenever I read the words nuclear fusion Mm. followed by cost effective mm-hmm. my mind just immediately thinks of nuclear fallout I'm like, <laughs> I'm like guys like i understand the want you know because the, well why- it is incredibly cost effective to, to produce nuclear power but you know we've got to remember that you've got one nuclear station that goes bust goes goes down and it and the whole ussr collapses <laughs> that's right you, know, you can collapse an empire 
Yeah. With just one of those things going down. And it's and that's what I'm seeing here. I'm like, obviously, yeah, once we achieve nuclear fusion, and this is the thing, it's been the race of, of uh, government and private entities at this point to try and achieve it, and they've just been throwing money at it and throwing money at it. Once it is achieved, this solves the world's problems like this is in terms of producing clean energy for the world it's like this is the golden ticket right here or that's what people view it as at least um but yeah at the moment they're like oh yeah we're gonna do it a cost-effective way and it's kind of like bro like (laughs) cost-effective like cost-effective nuclear power which Hey, hey, is is a fantastic thing. I'm just having that worry, but yeah, cost effective is another another word for cutting as many corners as we possibly can. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah, we're using pneumatic pistons. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. But hey, at the same time, this is the first demonstration plant. At this point, uh, there have just been in prototype stages, in design stages, like really, you know, research and development. Um, uh, stages of, of this technology. And yes, they're still in that stage, but when you're building a demonstration plant, when you're like, oh no, we're going to build a model of what this will look like in the future, they're definitely taking it to that next level where it's becoming more and more of a reality at least. So again, that's another story to follow. And finally, I don't know how this makes sense, but apparently if you listen to Mozart music for just 30 seconds, it can prevent your like brain from having seizures by like there's for seizure ridden patients there's been like a 60% drop and that's because i think seizures is something that's incredibly closely related to mood rather than anything else oh, wow. uh, and that's why like seizure people who suffer seizures take um, medications like epilim which is normally prescribed for bipolar and things like that but they reckon, hey if you listen to mozart um specifically sonata d uh, major for two pianos it'll just solve your life problems. So, hey, <laughs> classical music doing the work right there. This is Matt and Josie Minicus with More Valuable Than These. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so here's an interesting thought someone's texted through, that the reason that China is stopping building coal plants is simply because they're going broke. The second largest building company is just about to crash. It's an interesting prediction oh, wow. right there. Uh, predictions for the future with about $200 billion in debt and many others following. God said that America will be the last standing empire in the last days. You know that most large companies in China are government-owned, including overseas Chinese companies. It will be a tidal wave of debt. That right, watch this space. I have I have no idea whether this will happen or not. It's one of those things you often hear these kind of things uh, go around, and sometimes they happen. Mm. Uh, but you certainly do hear a lot about you know. And imagine if that did happen. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, let's go to let's go here very quickly. Let's go to the University of Colorado in the United States, and we're going to have, cover a bit of a story here uh, uh, in relationship to. Where did my story go? My story disappeared. I had it here a second ago, but it vanished. Anyway, okay, so here we go. Uh, There's a paediatrician and a medical student uh, who have just basically had their lives wrecked by the University of Colorado by being booted out because of their religious beliefs um, against the COVID vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And so there's one male, one female. They are currently being defended by the Thomas More Society uh, on the ba- on the basis of religious liberty, 
And what we've got to understand, once again, is that the United States is a very, very different country from, from Australia. The United States has the strongest legal uh, foundation for religious liberty of any country in the world, mm. and not only religious liberty, but also freedom of conscience. Mm. And so free, religious liberty is the liberty of a religion to practice its religion. Yes. And so in, from a religious liberty perspective, if a religion has a doctrine that teaches against vaccinations, that's an official doctrine of that religion, then religious liberty protects that religion. Mm. Uh, then you have, uh, then you have freedom of conscience, which is different again. Freedom of conscience, on the other hand, it protects somebody's individual freedom to have religious beliefs of their own, their own personal religious beliefs mm. that may be part of a religion or it may not be part of a religion. It might be a part of their religion or it might not be, but the freedom to have those. And so Australia has no protections really uh, for religious liberty. We have uh, some flimsy exemptions in our laws mm. that provide for religious liberty, but we don't have it as a part of our constitution, and we have nothing in relationship to freedom of conscience. Mm. So a lot of people in Australia are like, well, I'm going to object to getting the uh, COVID vax based on freedom of conscience. Well, you don't have a legal uh, foundation for that in this country. Yeah. Anyway, you do in the United States, these two people, uh, one a pediatrician, the other a medical student, have just been booted out of the University of Colorado. And, of course, you know, the the implications of that is pretty severe because when you're in those kinds of situations and you get booted out like that, basically your life is wrecked. Mm. It's like go find a different job, start over, mm. do something else with your life. You're done. You're not going to get it. There's no other. There's no other medical institution in the United States that will take you on as a student. And if you're a pediatrician, you're not going to get work. Yeah, you, you're basically finished. Mm. Um, and so, uh, Doctor Doctor Jane is the name that we are using. Um, opposed the vaccination due to the use of material from an aborted fetus. And so the Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson Johnson, I think those three used uh, material from a fetus that was aborted, I think, in 1972 or 1974. Mm. And, you know, the material from that particular fetus has been the foundation for, you know, like a whole slew of different vaccinations that have been used, you know, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, whatever Mm. it might be. And so, no, they are not aborting fetuses uh, left, right and centre so that they can produce vaccinations. It's all from uh, two, in fact, fetuses that were aborted in the 1970s. But needless to say, Dr Jane, she's opposed to this and that's her religious belief. And as a result of that, she's not opposed to other vaccinations. So she's not anti-vax. The university has said that they only recognise religious exemption based on belief that opposes all vaccinations. So if you have a religious belief that is opposed to all vaccinations across the board, they will recognise that. Mm-hmm. But because she is only opposed to those vaccinations that use material from aborted fetuses, then they're not going to recognise that. Wow. Yes. And, of course, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's 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 pretty rough right there. Okay, Dr. John, um, he's a Buddhist. So the, the first uh, lady was a Roman Catholic, um, and as a Buddhist, uh, Buddhist philosophy, of course, believes in no killing. Mm. So you don't kill animals, you don't kill people, you don't kill anything, you just don't kill. 
Mm. And once again, his objection goes back to that particular fetus because that fetus was aborted, which means that that fetus was killed. Mm. Now, this was, to my understanding, it was not a, um, a, 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 a it was it was a fetus that was aborted out of necessity. Mm. And so, but anyway, be, be that as it may, he has uh, his his exemption has been denied. And the reason that his has been denied is because the, the college has stated that his religious belief is not part of a comprehensive system of beliefs. In other words, the majority of Buddhists are cool with it, so you don't have a leg to stand mm. on. Mm. Now, of course, this really goes against the entire nature of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. The whole purpose of it was that people were able to have their own religious beliefs. Mm. And, of course, the the university have stated that his beliefs are of a personal nature only. And so, therefore, if they are of a personal nature only, they don't apply. (laughs) Wow. Oh, like... And, and, and what this comes down to is this. If you belong to a church or a religion or a faith that has a doctrine that says, we don't take any vaccinations, mm. then you can get a religious exemption. Okay. If you don't belong to that, you're going to face the Inquisition by the university, which will judge then the veracity of your religious beliefs and quiz you and question you and give you the third degree on it to try and figure out whether, well, do we think your religious beliefs are valid or not? So here you've got the university making a a decision on the validity of people's religious beliefs. And leave it to, like, a university in Colorado, like this most secular, like, place. And and universities are already pretty secular unless they're Mm -hmm. faith-based. Like, to, to, to be the people to put themselves in a position where they can judge someone's religion and its validity. It's wild. Absolutely. And so with uh, Dr. John right here, he's a student and he'd have to uh, he'd be barred from any med- medical school. He's just like, go find another job, another career. And the thing is, he's not opposed to vaccinations. Mm. He's not opposed to people having uh, the COVID vaccinations. He's just opposed to having it himself because he's a Buddhist. Mm. He's not opposed to giving the vaccination. Um, he does... He doesn't believe that the vaccination is harmful in any way. Um, in fact, he believes it's good. He just doesn't want to have it himself for his because of his religious beliefs. Yeah, wow. Anyway, the Thomas More Society is uh, pursuing a whole bunch of these similar cases, but this one is probably the most they've described it as the most egregious abuse of power in the United States right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, joining us on the phone this morning uh, is Dr. Paul Wood. Uh, Dr. Paul Wood, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. And I understand that we're talking about beans this morning. You know what they say, beans, beans, great for the heart, beans, beans. Great for the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dr. Paul Wood. What is it about beans that we would be talking about beans this morning? Yeah, so Lyle, this might surprise some of your listeners, but I'd actually argue that um, beans are actually a superfood. And um, one big reason for that is when we, when we look around the cultures of the world that live a long time, we call these cultures blue zones, every single one of those cultures has beans as a staple of their diet in um, in various forms. In fact, we know that just the 20... Um, 
grand increase in legumes per day actually reduce the risk of death by 7 to 8%. Just twenty grams. That's seven to eight percent. That's that. That's some pretty spectacular figures right there. So we need to be drastically increasing our bean intake. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. In fact, in Australia, um, they probably have a bit of a bad rap due to the, the gas side of things. And according to the recommendations, we should be increasing our bean intake by four hundred seventy percent to reach our recommended intake. Four hundred and seventy percent. That's quite the mm-hmm. challenge, right there, uh, to get our bean intake up. So, well, let me just go back to this: twenty grams increase in uh, legumes per day gives a seven to eight uh, percent reduced risk of death. If I just transfer my whole diet over to a pure bean diet, does that mean that I will suddenly become, you know, achieve immortality? Definitely not. Just one of those, <laughs> one of those, I guess, pieces of Lego that helps to add the overall longevity equation with. Things like exercise and sleep and good healthy diet. Sure. So we need to be eating beans every day then, uh, a certain amount of beans every single day. Uh, it to, uh, it would, would be a really good idea is, is, is what you're saying here. Absolutely. And look, the range of legumes are, are, are numerous. There's literally thousands of different varieties of, of, of legumes or, or members of the bean family. So I mean, you've got everything from kidney beans to your soybeans to your lentils to lima beans. You name it. I guess I guess when you eat some Indian cuisine, you soon discover that some there's a wide variety of beans out there. Now, with um, you know, some people complain about uh, when they, when they start eating you know lots of beans in their diet that uh, it gives them a lot of wind flatulence. Uh, yep. Is is this something that you know when somebody adds a whole bunch of beans to their diet, is that something that will stay, or will your body get used to it and it go away? Yeah. So when you when you're adding beans to diet, don't do it all. In one go, just gradually introduce it. But uh, what the research seems to suggest that if you start eating legumes or beans daily, if you do experience an increase in wind, um, but after two to three weeks, about seventy percent of people actually find that that uh, wind largely dissipates, and that's that's because your gut bacteria are recalibrating. In other words, the, the bacteria that love beans are increasing, and the and the bacteria that don't like beans are decreasing, and that seems to reduce the their overall gas. Right, so just stick with it and your body will readjust. I think that this is a fairly common thing. You know, I've, I've known uh, a, a bunch of people that change their diet and, you know, for the first two or three weeks they've just got lots of wind. Um, it, it seems to be how our body recalibrates to things. Particularly, I've met people who have gone, yeah, I'm going to become a vegetarian and suddenly they have lots of wind and they're like, oh, this is really bad. And it's just like, just, just stick with it. Just, you know, stay the course. It will sort itself out. Absolutely. Uh, look, there's a few other, trips, a few other tricks you can try too, Lyle, like um, if you're cooking with hard beans, um, soak them overnight, and if there's actually a sugar layer around those beans that dissolves in the water, you rinse the water off, that sugar layer goes, goes away, and that, um, that sugar layer, which, which forms a substrate for the, uh, the bacteria in your, in your bowel to produce gas, is, um, is decreased. Um, also, you can try just introducing some of the smaller legumes, so seeing things like spit peas, red lentils, or even trying some of the variety of fermented bean products out there like miso or tofu or, or tempeh, which I guess causes me to ask a question. Well, what's, what's your favourite um, bean dish that you like to eat? Oh, 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 okay. So um, let me think about this. My favourite bean is mm. – um, I, like, I actually really like the yellow butter beans. 
Uh, I grew some by accident one time. I thought I was growing green beans and they turned out to be uh, butter beans and I really, really like them. So these are a bean that look like a green bean and you eat them, you know, pod and all, just throw them in the steamer and steam them up and you, um, yeah, you eat the pod as well as the bean itself. Love those things. Amazing. Wow. As far as bean dishes go, as far as I, I don't even know where to start as far as bean dishes go. Pretty much I love anything with beans in it. I'm here, yeah. I don't need enough of them. No, I can. I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at the the research that you're presenting here, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I probably fall into that category as being somebody who needs to increase my bean intake by 470 percent because I'm certainly not eating beans every day. Did I at least eat 25 grams of tofu a day? Like I am on the tofu train, which I've you know made out of fermented soybeans. Uh, yeah, yes. That stuff is incredible. Indeed. Now, does tofu count in the same way as, you know, because that's fairly processed beans, does that count in the same way as, say, for instance, my yellow butter beans? Yeah, look, the fiber content's a bit lower, um, but still a great source of protein and still has some cholesterol-lowering properties, which the whole legume family are, are really good at that. So what the, the legumes actually do is um, they help to bind cholesterol in our gut and that's courtesy of the fibre uh, content, which naturally then lowers your, your cholesterol absorption in your, in your bowel. And they've actually found that just eating three to four serves of legumes per week actually reduces the risk of heart disease by 10%. That's pretty impressive. Now, you mentioned in that uh, you, you were just talking about fibre there. What's the relationship between fibre and beans and how important is fibre and how much fibre do beans have in them uh, to our overall health? Yeah, so beans are a really good source of fibre. So they're they're right up there with whole grains. And um, that, that fibre acts as like a brush, helping to clean your, your gut out and also feeds some of the beneficial bacteria in your bowel. And these bacteria in turn produce chemicals such as butyric acid, which actually acts as a stimulant to your bowel to get them moving. So if you're prone to things like constipation, um, that actually helps to move that those, those food contents or your or intestinal contents along so that you have a quicker... Um, time to the toilets from um, when you eat that, um, eat your meal. So when we're talking about fibre, I often sort of think about uh, of fibre as being, well, you know, the stuff that sort of uh, is in, you know, vegetable matter and you try and chew it up and it's kind of fibre in your mouth and as it's going you down, you sort of think, well, you know, that's probably just going to uh, to go through like a brush and, and, and clean everything out because it feels really fibery in my mouth. Is that is that what fibre is? Because, I mean, beans don't feel very fibery and certainly tofu doesn't feel fibery in my mouth like, say, for instance, a piece of, um, let me think, uh, celery might. Yes. And there's definitely, there is less fibre in tofu, uh, but we do have different kinds of fibre like um, soluble fibre and insoluble fibre. And there's certain foods that are higher in, in those different kinds of fibres, like oats, for example, are very high in uh, insoluble fibre and um those different kinds of fibre have different properties, um, but those seem to be helpful when it comes to, to lowering cholesterol. Actually, the other really good thing, Lyle, about beans, and I think this is a selling point for me, is that um, beans are absolutely fantastic for anybody who has type 2 diabetes. And uh, what they actually do is that when you consume a carbohydrate meal, like some cereal or some rice, for example, or pasta, when you eat the beans, the beans lower what's called the glycemic index. And that's like a measure of how quickly... Um, carbohydrates or sugars found naturally in foods actually lead to a spike in your blood sugar. So when you eat lots of beans in your diet, 
it actually slows the absorption of that glucose or that sugar from your gut and leads to less rises in blood sugar, uh, which is really great for type 2 diabetes. And it doesn't just do it for the meal at which you eat that, um, that serving of beans. It actually does the same thing for the following meal as well. So even if you ate beans for breakfast, Lyle, and at lunchtime with, say, some pasta or some rice, um, the beans you ate at breakfast time helps to uh, keep your blood sugars on track at lunchtime as well. Yeah, that's pretty spectacular. That's that's fantastic. Now, what about for weight loss? I mean, there's a lot of there's a huge um, industry in the world right now, particularly in the Western world, around weight loss. Uh, are, are beans going to be good for that or bad for that? Yeah, fantastic. So when you look at beans, again, high in fiber, but the beauty of fiber is fiber contains no calories, and here it provides bulk. So when you eat fiber-rich foods like beans, they fill you up because they occupy extra volume in your stomach. And you're, not following, you're not swallowing many calories at the end of the day. So, you know, good source of protein as well. So they're quite satiating. So they fill you up, um, which means you don't feel as hungry, and yet um, you haven't swallowed as many calories. So, so Dr. Paul, we've just had somebody, a, 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 a listener, text through, and they want to know what are the best beans for protein and for low carbohydrates? So if you're looking at the best beans in terms of quality protein, probably soybeans. Um, they contain all the essential amino acids um, that you need. Um, but variety is the key really here. Um, I think if you're eating a variety of different beans, from kidney beans to ziki beans, all these different legumes contain different properties. And, and some actually contain some trace minerals as well, which are unique to that particular um, member of the bean family. So I reckon mix it up, and it um, certainly makes makes life more interesting when it comes to different flavours on your palate. Certainly does. Um, all right, so let's just uh, let's see here. When it comes to, um, well, let me ask you this question: What's you asked me what my favourite bean was? Let me ask you what your favourite bean is. Yeah, I was actually thinking about it because I thought you might ask. Um, I'd say the soy bean just because it's so versatile. Um, look, I, I love tempeh. Um, tofu, miso, I, I drink soy milk. Um, so it's, it's really a versatile legume. Um, probably second would be the, um, the kidney beans. We just love, love Mexican and, um, nachos. Yeah, nice. I, we used to grow a lot of, um, beans when I was a kid growing up, all kinds of different varieties of beans. And yeah, I used to, uh, um, I've gone blank on them now, but the ones that grow in big pods and you just pop them all out, um, Oh. No, the word is oh, on the tip. Lima beans. Not lima beans. Not lima beans. <laughs> not not sweet peas. I'm trying to, I'm trying to. It will come to me. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can see them. I can taste them in my mouth right now while I'm talking about them. But well, you certainly used to uh, grow a lot of beans. And, and the great thing about beans too is that you know, particularly green beans and so forth, they are actually very easy to grow. You know, when it comes to growing a garden, and for people who might not be a great gardener. These things will grow really easily. If you've got it, you know, you, you throw some seeds in the ground, they are just they are one of the easiest things that you can grow, and they're so much more delicious when they come straight out of your garden. Yeah, and great for your soil too, Lyle, in terms of adding nitrogen. Right. Yes. Okay, there you go. Great for your soil. I did not know that. All right, so let's all focus on getting some more beans into our life and um, – some yeah, some great information there from Dr. Paul Wood in relationship to beans. I I'm just feeling hungry as I'm having. I, I'm, I think now I'm I'm just starving, bro. Need to go out and make some baked beans on toast for breakfast. <laughs> so good, Dr. Paul Wood. Thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning.
It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.